Hey, my name is Akash Thakar, and this is Sound Business. This is the podcast where we dive into the mindsets and methods of some of the top musicians, sound designers, or audio creators in the world. We're going to interview everyone from plug-in makers, performing musicians, video game composers, and everything in between, and learn how they run a successful business and how they're making a killer living in the world of music and sound. My hope with this podcast is that you can be exposed to the many myriad different ways there are to make a killer living in the world of music and sound, and help you realize that there's no one right way to get to the top. And with that, let's get into the episode. My guest today is Don M. Bennett, who's a voice actor based out of Los Angeles. Don has been a professional voice actor for almost 10 years now and has voiced hundreds of characters across games, movies, and anime. She's worked on iconic franchises like Dragon Ball Super, World of Warcraft, Street Fighter VI, Monster Hunter, Diablo IV, Pokemon, Attack on Titan, and many, many others. Recently, she also voiced Yukong in the video game Honkai Star Rail and is also working on an animated film called The Lovers, which is an independently made animated thriller created in the Philippines. In this episode, we talk about Dawn's rise to voice acting success, especially considering she didn't go to theater or acting school, her advice for up-and-coming voice actors, how she made the move to Los Angeles and thrived there, and much more. So without further ado, let's get into the interview with Dawn M. Bennett. All right, so let's dive into it. My first question for you is about the voiceover bug that bit you. So when we went to college, I saw you kind of start going into the voiceover route. I saw you start working on student projects and acting on all sorts of stuff. You helped me out with some of my projects, too. And something I want to ask about, though, is when you went into Berkeley, you were a vocal major. But were there any ideas of, ah, voice acting's for me when you started to enter college? No, I was a piano principal, actually, oh. and I joined your video game music club, and I was like, oh, this is so cool, and we had the game jam yes. my first semester, because I didn't know shit about audio. I'm like, well, <laughs> what am I supposed to do? And I think I had asked you. I had gone up to you afterwards and was like, hey, what can I do? And there was voiceover on the list, and you're like, well, why don't you try that? I'm like, okay. Do you remember that game? <laughs> I do oh vaguely, God. vaguely remember it. Okay. <laughs> I think it's still on YouTube. It was called Bovine Overload. Yes. And it was I me and Victoria this. Vitti. And we we voice acted into our Mac internal mics, like the built-in microphone. <laughs> and we put it into GarageBand. Oh, like yeah. we recorded them in the Berkeley practice rooms with all that reverb and echo. And we put it into GarageBand because they wanted male hillbillies specifically. Yes, they so did. We pitched ourselves <laughs> down and it sounded so bad. <laughs> so you can hear it if you look on YouTube. It, I think it's still there. So you just hear me going, well, butter my butt and call me a biscuit. Like, oh, God. But, <laughs> but that was the start of everything. Because I remember, like, why did we have a contest? It was a competition because we placed third. I vaguely remember there being a competition aspect, but I just remember there being a game jam for us to make stuff and try stuff out with other game developers. But I don't remember why we had a competition. <laughs> 
Yeah, yeah. Like we placed third and I, I think I talked to you afterwards or, or maybe I, I had helped you with a project and you were like, you should keep doing this. And I'm like, <laughs> okay. So like I, I went around the whole Berkeley campus just posting on every bulletin board I could find, like the Boylston building and like Mass Ave. And I went to like all of them. I was like, get <laughs> me. I want to do this. I want to be in the Animus. <laughs> someday but yeah yeah and like you remember how hard it was to uh reserve those studios right oh my god what a pain god i'd be up there at like two in the morning and then i'd walk home by myself yeah in downtown boston <laughs> yes <laughs> yes oh god that was scary like i was trying not to think about it but i would call my mom and she'd be like why are you walking home late at night i'm like i'll be fine literally like Maybe that same week I heard one of our other uh, classmates had gotten punched in the face and oh got her phone God. stolen. So, yeah, my mom's like, don't do that. But I like voice acting. <laughs> <laughs> but, yeah, yeah, I think I think that was the start of all. Because before Berkeley, like, I'd wanted to get into voice acting. But my mom, um, when I talked to her about it, because uh, I had read a um, an interview with Veronica Taylor back when I was a kid, the original voice of Ash Ketchum. And I said, oh, my gosh, Ash is voiced by a woman and this is a job. <laughs> and I told my mom and my mom, very, very old school Filipino lady goes, eh, that's not lucrative. Go be a nurse. So I went right. to music school. <laughs> of course. <laughs> <laughs> but I'll tell you, I got into a, a video game as like a sexy nurse. <laughs> and I said, hey, look. <laughs> And she goes, oh, not that. <laughs> it's not what she meant. <laughs> <laughs> and beggars can't be choosers. It's true. So, you know? <laughs> <laughs> But yeah, to, to put it lightly, yeah, that. <laughs> that's so funny because I remember you talking to me about uh, your mom telling you to be a nurse. And that's like such an immigrant parent thing to say. Like, I've experienced it. You've experienced it. But it's the sort of thing of like, ah, here is what you will do for the rest of your life. You are one years old. And... I will dictate this forever. And any immigrant kid listening to this knows exactly what we're talking about. And I'm curious, how did you kind of get through that or over that or even convince your mom that's like, ah, music school, because that's not even close to nursing either. <laughs> Sheer rebellion. <laughs> Just absolute rebellion. Like, listen, mom, if you're listening, I love you. <laughs> we we like would go at it because I wanted to do one thing and she would be like, oh, that's... I and I know where she was coming from, like, you know, where, where she came from. She wanted to make sure I was going to be able to, you know, fend for myself and provide for myself and my family, which now she doesn't worry. Right. Yes. <laughs> like, I don't mean to have my head up my ass. This, These are just facts. I make the same amount, if not more than my mom does now. Absolutely. Yeah. And I asked her, I said, does that bother you? And she's like, no, I'm actually very proud of that. So I'm like, good, good. Because, you know. Like nowadays, I still get imposter syndrome like crazy. But then when I talk to her about it, she goes, I'm not worried about you anymore. <laughs> like, oh, well, that, that that helps me feel a little bit better. But yeah, yeah. Like back then, though, when I first started, because she was uncertain, she's like, I didn't know where you were going to go. I was worried. We would like butt heads all the time of oh, no, don't do that. You're not going to make any money and that won't go anywhere. I'm like, no, I'm going to do what I want. <laughs> I'm going to go to music school. Just kidding. I'm going to go be a voice actor. Goodbye degree. I still use it sometimes, but not as much. Oh, absolutely. <laughs> 
That's so interesting, though, because I think I hear that same thing from anyone who had a similar upbringing with like the immigrant parent of like, they worried and worried and worried, and now they don't. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> There's eventually a turning point of like, mom, dad, I'm doing fine. I can eat. Like, that's the big thing is like, look, I can eat. I can feed myself. Mm -hmm. They just absolutely kind of melt and they're like, ah. Wonderful. That's all I wanted. <laughs> like I said, the irony is that now I get anxious about like sometimes it's about the silliest things. And my mom's like, why are you worried? <laughs> it's in the reverse like, now. Where were you? <laughs> <laughs> so I want to talk about that imposter syndrome because that is common to any creative. That's literally everybody. And anyone would look at your career on the outside and be like, oh, Don's done literally over a hundred roles you know, Dragon Ball, Street Fighter Six, like all these iconic things that are just any voice actor or, or someone who's up and coming would be like, yeah, that's what I want. But it still comes up. So that's such a normal process. But can you talk to that? Well, I someone uh, summed it up pretty well uh, when I had talked about this. I think I had talked about it on like Twitter where I was saying, hey, you know, when it comes to your career, your career is just a part of you. Don't make it everything that you are. Because I know folks in this industry where that's their personality. And I'm like, who are you? Where is the person? Where is the human? I Hello? I think, like, when you run into those people who are just constantly talking about work all the time, then it starts to get into your brain of, like, well... They're talking about work all the time. They must be busy. I don't talk about work that much. Am I not doing enough? Like the goalpost keeps moving regardless of how much that you do. You know, I've, I've, I've done some really cool things and some things I am actually really excited to talk about. And I don't always think about them every day. I, I feel like I should. I feel like I need, um, like a reminder, like sometimes I'll listen to old demo reels or I'll look at old mm. visual reels and be like, yeah, I did all that. But when you're in the thick of it, when you're auditioning, when you're working in the booth, it's very easy to forget all that and be like, okay, I need, I need to work hard. I need to be doing my best. I need to, uh. it's so easy to get caught up in all that. And you need to be able to take a step back and just breathe. Be like, breathe and look how far you've come. It's like when you're climbing a mountain, you don't look back to see like, oh, God, I'm this high up now. Also, I get vertigo, so I will fall. <laughs> <laughs> you, you hit on something really key because you go into an audition or even a recording session, and I'm sure there are parts of your brain that are like, OK, it's go time. I got to hit this. Like the outside view of someone who's had as much experience as you would be, oh, Don just walks in, says a few lines smokes a giant cigar and goes home, right? Like that's the outside view of a voice actor from a lot of people who just don't know how technical it can be or how stressful or how, how much work it can be. So can you talk me through that audition process first of what that goes like, especially when you might not know the character. It might be a property you really, really want to work on, all that sort of stuff. I mean, like Dragon Ball, for instance, when I did that audition, I tried my best to perfect that audition as much as possible to the point that my voice was shot at the end of it. Because um, when I auditioned for Dragon Ball, I did two takes, which I heard not a lot of people did because you, you got Kale on there. For those of you listening who don't know Dragon Ball, my character Kale, she's this skinny little girl that when she gets angry, hulks out into this giant muscle woman. And I tried out with both voices on that. I tried out with, like, her small little voice and then her big, deep voice. And 
I wanted to make sure that was right because they also had the charging scream in there, you know, that infamous ah! scream. And I did it so many times that at the end of it, my voice had gone like an octave down. Whoa. I don't know if I'll ever post the video, but I recorded it <laughs> being like, Hey, I just, I just tried it for Dragon Ball. I hope I get it. <laughs> and, That's funny. And I, I couldn't stop thinking about it for weeks until I finally got uh, a message from Chris Sabat, who plays Vegeta and Piccolo saying, hey, you got it. And then I just burst out crying because it was so much anticipation and waiting because I wanted it that bad. And... There are auditions where I've I've booked them and I didn't have that process where it was just like one, two takes and done because I have anxiety like like pretty bad. And I'm trying not to think about those things like I've been talking to friends and practicing auditions with friends and just slowly trying to train myself not to overdo it, because if you overthink it like Dragon Ball, I think I got really lucky with that because most of the time if you overthink an audition it's not going to feel organic anymore. It's not going to feel human anymore. Usually your best take is within like your first three. Uh, that's what I've heard from directors too. Mm. So there's this, there's this gap of time I want to fill because post Berkeley to Dragon Ball, right? There are things that happened in between. <laughs> it just doesn't happen like that. So I want to hear about that journey from, okay, you've graduated, you love this voice acting thing. And by the time you graduated Berkeley, you'd already started doing it, but it doesn't just happen overnight. So I want to hear about that process of working for Funimation, getting all these clients to start coming to you, being known in that field. It was the Friday right before Berkeley graduation. And I get a Facebook message from Tyler Walker, who was the director of Fairy Tale at Funimation. I had met him at a convention the Thanksgiving before. And I had gone to this convention. I participated in this voice acting contest there. The prize was a, uh, an audition at Funimation. I didn't win. I only placed like in the finals. But this director contacts me right before graduation and he goes, hey, when are you coming home? Like, I, I come home Saturday. Why? And he's like, come audition for us on Monday. I'm like, <laughs> okay. So I was like, fuck graduation. I want to go home. Shake hands with Jimmy Page who didn't even give a proper speech. <laughs> he didn't. Did you hear about that? He gave a I terrible did hear speech. About that. It was so I, I was, bad. I didn't see it, but ah! I did hear. I heard tell. He was like, well, uh, I, I, I didn't go to school for music, so I don't know what to say. I'm like, we paid this tuition for this? Oh, my God. <laughs> So I'm like, meanwhile, like years later, they got to get Justin Timberlake. Unfair. I know. Unfair. Incredibly. Unfair. <laughs> but yeah, <laughs> like, so I audition on uh, the following Monday. I wore like a cute little dress and everything. No one wears dresses to these. No one does. I can't imagine. I've never seen <laughs> I like dressed in like my Sunday best for this. And oh, that's so God. And so maybe like two or three weeks later, which again, I was dreading that whole thing. I finally get an email from Funimation saying, hey, we want you to come in to do Walla. Again, for uh, those of you listening, um, Walla is crowd noises. So it was going to be me and three other people in the booth. And I, again, started bawling and I called my mom, I called my grandma, I called like my relatives going, oh, guys, I'm going to Funimation, ah! And I get there 
And I'm so excited to like do the, this group session with these people because, you know, we're just doing like bits and crowd noises, but I'm in the place where they recorded a bunch of anime, an anime that I watch. This is so cool. And then at the end of it, Tyler Walker goes, hey, Don, um, everyone else, uh, you're done. Thank you so much. Don, I need you to stay for a second. So everyone else leaves. And I'm like, okay. And he, go, he goes, hop in the booth. I'm like, okay, what's up? And he goes... Uh, I am casting you as this character in fairy tale named Froche. They're a cute little green cat that thinks they're a frog. <laughs> so I think you'd be perfect. And I'm like, oh, this is even better. I get a character. What? So excited. <laughs> Which there's Froche, by the way. There's my cat. Ah, <laughs> I, I named her after after the character Aww. I played. And what was wild, too, was that years later, uh, Froche would also get a pop figure. Mm -hmm. like, whoa. Totally. But yeah, it, it kind of just went from there. And so this was before broadcast dubs happened. So I would go in about once every three weeks or four weeks and record a little bit more. Froche, Froche didn't talk that much, but um, would still like pop in from time to time for a little cameo. And then the more that I showed up there, I was in their database. And so they would call me in for auditions. These would be in person. I lived in about an hour away from the studio. So I would drive an hour there, an hour back, even just for like a 15 minute audition. But yeah, the more that they saw me up there, they're like, oh, okay, okay. Yeah, we'll, we'll keep calling you in. We'll keep using you. And then a few years later, like I started doing music with them and and like doing like singing for them. And then the director, uh, the music director there, Brina Palencia, was like, oh, you can transcribe songs. Uh, you want to help me adapt songs? And so, nice. hey, my songwriting major came into play. Yay! <laughs> it wasn't a waste after all. <laughs> and, and yeah, so I got to adapt music for them. And eventually, Brina retired because she she had a baby. And so I was the music director there for maybe about a year. And then I left. <laughs> <laughs> yes. <laughs> that was after, like, booking Dragon Ball and booking Borderlands 3 and, and, and all that other stuff. But, yeah, like... As I was there, my resume just slowly got like bigger and bigger and bigger and bigger, which at that convention that I mentioned, the one uh, where this contest was at, that's where uh, I first met Chris Sabat. And I had talked to him and I said, hey, I'm just about to graduate Berkeley. I'm not really sure what to do. I want to be a voice actor, but I was thinking, should I just move straight to L.A. like, like right after or should I stay in Dallas because I live in Dallas and Chris goes, start in Dallas. Start in Dallas because you already live here. You'll be saving a lot of money and you'll build your resume here. And then once you feel you're ready, then you can go to L.A. And uh, we had talked about Berkeley and he goes, oh, my God, you went to Berkeley? Let's stay in touch. I have a, I have a good feeling about you. And he gave me his card. I tell him this later after I had... Um, we had done a Dragon Ball event. It was a Dragon Ball Fighters tournament where we got to, like, play against each other. And I told him this. I said, you know, you you gave me your card and I sent you my stuff and you were really kind about it in your email. And I just want to thank you for encouraging me back then. And Chris goes, yeah, I don't remember this. I'm like, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, well, I have it in email. I have it in writing. So there. <laughs> well, you don't remember it, but I do. It was special to me. Clearly not to you. 
But yeah, no, I, I credit him so much for, for being so encouraging. And he'll still reach out from time to time. I was in a, a Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles game, and he congratulated oh, cool. me on that. And just like, send me different stuff in here. Oh, <laughs> I remember uh, when I had booked Kale, about a week later, Chris Pratt had retweeted me. He was saying something about like, I think like bats lay eggs or something, something silly. And I sent him a Calvin and Hobbes comic where Calvin is talking about how bats are bugs. And I was like, Chris, listen, like I have a source like bats don't lay eggs. Here's my source, Calvin and Hobbes. And he retweeted me saying, you know, I haven't heard a better argument. Solid argument. So Chris Sabat <laughs> reaches out to me and he goes, man, Don, you're having a great week. First, you're Kale. And now Chris Pratt retweets you. Wow. I'm like, yeah. Look at you. Look at you. <laughs> I love it. I love it. Like, that's such a, like, a fun journey. And I'm glad you had, like, people kind of encouraging yeah. you, right, along the way. Mm-hmm. And, you know, on the other side of things, you know, the uh, on the opposite, I guess, side of the artistic side, there's also, like, a whole business to voice acting, right? And I'm curious, are there things that you wish you knew about the business side of things when you first started getting into this professionally? I think what I wish I knew is uh, I now have a template, like an actor's template for when I do my taxes, and it makes doing them so much easier, like categorizing all of my expenses, because like almost everything is a write-off. Like, you know, going to the movies, it's research. You're trying to figure out what the new best trends are, which you should be doing. Like, you, you can say that tongue in cheek, but no, you should be doing that. You should be going to movies and consuming different um, pieces of media so then you can strengthen your acting abilities. So I wish I had known that sooner, like being able to categorize those things for taxes. I wish I had taken classes sooner. I took classes like a little bit later into my career. I think I started taking actually like right after I got into Funimation, but I took way more like maybe a year or two later. Uh, I wish I had started taking with um, Richard Horvitz, who uh, is an amazing actor. He's Zim from Invader Zim, Billy from The Grim Adventures. He's Moxie in Hell of a Boss, and he's an amazing teacher. I worked with him for maybe two years, two and a half. I wish I had worked with him sooner. I tell everyone, anyone who comes up to me at cons, like, oh, you know, I'm, I'm thinking of taking these classes. I'm like, Richard, take with Richard. Please go. <laughs> and it's really nice because sometimes we'll catch up and we'll be like, oh, yeah, some of my students got referred to me by you. I'm like, yes, uh... yes, everyone should take with him. He's great. <laughs> I also wish I'd taken theater back when I was a kid because now the thought of taking theater gives me stage fright. So I wish I'd been like trained at a younger age to like get past that. <laughs> Yeah, I don't know. Not too much, though, because I'm yeah. where I am because of the way everything happened. So eh, not too much. <laughs> Great. Good. And it's it's cool to hear that, you you know, at that point, you had already become a professional voice actor. But then you started taking classes still, regardless. There's no, you didn't make it, you know. No, no. And and sometimes I'll meet people where they act like they're like too good for classes. No one is too good for classes. I have taken classes with people that are veterans. You are never too old or never too experienced to learn new things. There's always room to learn new things. And I don't know, even if you don't learn something new, it's fun to be in a group of people and play off each other. It's so great. 
for instance, like uh, during pandemic, my friend Xander Mobis actually set up a voiceover workout group over Discord, and he got a bunch of uh, different actors in there, like, you know, from all around the globe. And because we were all stuck inside, uh, he was like, hey, let's practice copy with each other to keep our chops up. And I credit that group for helping my acting even more so. Like, I had Richard helping, and then I had this group helping. Because uh, during pandemic and all that, I wanted to work on, like, more grounded reads. Because I had just come out of Dallas, where all of my work was anime. And anime has a very specific read. It can get really rhythmic, because you're trying to match those flaps. And people were telling me, like, yeah, you do have that rhythmic thing. I'm like, ah, shit. I don't want that. <laughs> I want to get into like, you know, these like grounded cinematic games like The Last of Us or something, which, by the way, I got to meet Troy Baker uh, last weekend. I was like, oh, my God, he's so cool. Anyway. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, like that, that group helped me a bunch. And I'm, I'm still friends with a bunch of them today. And I, I've told them that, too. I'm like, you'll helped me a lot. So I appreciate it. Yeah, it seems community is, I mean, across any creative field is like pretty darn important to keeping you going, especially during something like the pandemic. How did you specifically survive that? Because, you know, voice acting shifted a great deal during that time. So all my savings went into upgrading my booth. Yeah. I dropped 10 grand. The, the Neumann here that I have, like, this is the one I had in college. It's mm, the same nice. one, but I had to buy like a new preamp. I had to buy the UA um, Apollo. I had to buy a vocal booth to go, which is like, it's essentially a giant metal frame with acoustic blankets on it because I didn't want to get something that might sink through the floor, like like a whisper room or, or a studio bricks. I bought a crap ton of Oralex, probably too much Oralex foam. <laughs> I kid you not, I probably have some to give away. I didn't need this much. <laughs> but I was panicking. I was like, oh, God, I got to pat everything. Because <laughs> I was paranoid about, like, my sound, my sound. I need to be able to work. Ah! Which, right. oh, my God, dude. So because of the pandemic, when I first moved to L.A., I was closer to downtown. And I was in this, like, cramped little apartment i was living with my cousin and my closet was a sliding door it wasn't even like a proper walk-in so i thought well fuck how am i gonna record in here okay so i padded that sliding door closet with Oralex, and i shoved a little desk in there and i put my laptop in there with my microphone on this little desktop mic stand and my my preamp and everything and i put a chair in there and i was just like huddled like this so i was recording for video games like this ah! <laughs> and it was okay but the kicker is that this apartment had no ac oh. so imagine me huddled in this <sighs> little sliding door closet and i'm sweating buckets after like 15 minutes recording video games so uh, I had to go home uh, for a family emergency It happened at home. And I was there for like a few months because I ended up buying equipment at home so that I could just work from Texas again. And I got a booking where the client requested, hey, please come into studio uh, back in L.A. for this. And I just, like, I had a breakdown over it because I didn't want to go back to being in that cramped little closet. 
And um, my mom goes, you need to move out of that place. We're going to find you an apartment right now. And I go, I don't know if I'll be able to afford it because I wasn't like regularly working yet. Because, you know, when you move anywhere, like I was like, whoa, working, working, working. Ah, I'm starting all over again. Uh, slow climb back up. And I, I was like, oh, God, I'm, am I going to be able to afford a new apartment by myself? And my mom goes, we will make it work and I will help you if needed. She actually didn't need to help me that much. Maybe like a month or two of rent. But yeah, so it's weird. Like the pandemic obviously was awful and horrible for uh, so many reasons. But it is the reason why I was able to move into my own apartment in a place that has AC. I feel like even if the pandemic hadn't come around, I still would have moved out of that place sooner rather than later because of no AC. Yes, yes. <laughs> in July? Oh, God, I moved out of that place in June. And I, same thing, I'd be going down the steps <laughs> with, like, just carrying my boxes down the steps, just sopping wet. Like, okay, this is for the best. This is for the best. <laughs> yeah. But, yeah, like... God, upgrading everything. And and obviously, I wasn't the only person who had to do that. We were all scrambling, trying to figure out remote recording. How do you source connect? Um, You know, like being able to, to broadcast our audio to the client and back and making sure everything was fine. But then also, when I moved into my apartment, I finally got everything set up exactly the way that it needed to be. And I was recording on um, ReZero, the anime ReZero. Mm. And I was working with Chris Kaysen, who is a wonderful human being. And <laughs> it was my first time working with him on the show. And I'm like, all right, let's go. Beep, beep, beep. I'm like, what is that? What is that? <laughs> Upstairs, uh, the tenants above me had moved out. And the cleaning crew was there to clean out the apartment. And they were vacuuming and they were like running across the floor to vacuum as fast as possible. It sounded like two Great Danes chasing a meat frisbee. <laughs> like I just hear, I'm like, oh my God. And I'm panicking. And I tell Chris, I'm like, give me a moment. And I run upstairs. I ask them, can you not? And they're like, well, ma'am, we have to finish this. I'm like, I have a job to do. Well, we have a job to do. Well, good for you. Go on break. <laughs> I need to finish this. And they're like, okay, okay, we're almost done. And I go downstairs. They finish after maybe like 10 minutes, 10 very long minutes. And I apologize to Chris. And he goes, listen, you're fine. Like in, in these times, we are at the mercy of our environment. So you're fine. I'm like, okay. Uh, That's very sweet. It was. He, he's he's so, so amazing. Because everyone was inside. Like, not just me, obviously. Like, everyone in my apartment was staying inside. And I'd hear, oh, God. One time, like, I, I think they had moved out since then. But I think I was next door to an EDM artist. Oh, And he no. was testing his audio on his speakers. I would try to time it so I would wake up early to do an audition. He would wake up early to test his audio. So I'd be like, da 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 da. I'm like, bruh. <laughs> it was a nightmare. But, you know, obviously we got through it and everything. But it was a terrifying time of just trying to figure out what to do. And then I think afterwards, even, even going into studio for the first time was a little bit scary because 
protocols hadn't really been put into place yet. People were still scared. Now, obviously, everything's fine. Like, I'll still wear my N95, like, you know, for the comfort of other people that are there or, you know, like, just just to make sure we're all staying safe. But yeah, now nowadays, more and more of the studios are like, we're all vaxxed. You can wear it if you want. Yeah. Like, okay, okay. Yeah, I'm glad it's like more back to normal or maybe even more remote friendly than it was before. Yeah, yeah. Well, it's weird because some studios really are pushing for people to come back in. But that there are still other ones that are like, yeah, you can record from home if you want. Just send us a studio sample just to make sure like it's it's good and we have to approve it. And also, I do like now, though, because there were times where I got sick. Like I got COVID for the first time this year. Wow. I dodged it that long. Yeah. God. And speaking of Street Fighter. I had to record a few more lines for it. And this is when I got COVID. And I go, hey, so I got it. What do I do? And they're like, send us a studio sample. I'm like, okay. Yeah, this is great. Are you okay with recording it on this day? It's, o- it's only going to it's gonna be less than an hour. I'm like, okay. So I do appreciate now that because everyone's upgraded their booths, now we have the option if like if we got sick or if we got exposed to someone with COVID or, you know, for whatever scheduling reason we have to be at home. I do like that the option is there. I prefer to go into studio just because like, you know, I moved to L.A. December 2019 (laughs) So I did, oh, I only man. got to enjoy LA for like three months. So I do like going out so that I can be like, you know, number one, letting people know, yes, I'm here. I promise you I'm here. But also just like getting to see more of the city and, and traveling and, and all that, like making up for lost time. I love it. You mentioned when you moved to LA, you're kind of starting over, quote unquote. You know, you may not have known everybody. They might not have known you. What was that buildup like? How did you kind of break your way into that world? Oh, gosh, it's it's very daunting. And I tell anyone this who moves here because people told me this when I moved here. Your first year is always the hardest because like it, it feels like you're trying to get people's attention of like, hi, I'm here. I am here now. Hello. I am here. I promise. <laughs> One of my friends, very, very sweet person. I saw him at a party maybe like like a few months ago, like like late last year and he goes hey don like how are you are are you just visiting and i'm like dude i live here (laughs) and he goes oh my god (laughs) (laughs) so when we saw each other later at karaoke he goes hey don you just visiting (laughs) like yep sure am that's a really long visit but yeah like that's again that's part of the reason why i'm trying to like get out more and more i feel like as actors or Maybe I'm just one of few. We we want to be seen. We want to be noticed. I think that's just people in general. Like, we want people to know, hey, we are here. We exist. And that's so hard because, like, casting directors, like, they've got giant pools of people to pick from. Like, it's not personal. But at the same time, you're like, please, I am here. Please. <laughs> So that was uh, a bit of a journey at first because I was like, I was cold emailing directors being like, hey, I am here. Can I send you things? And at first I wouldn't get responses back. And I thought, oh, God, is it something I did? No, their inboxes are just flooded. Like that's that's just how it is. So eventually I would break into these different studios, but it took a minute. 
With my agent, though, I was very, very lucky in um, how I got my agent. I don't know if you heard of him, an actor named Brad Venable. No. Brad Venable was an amazing actor. He unfortunately passed from COVID in um, January 2021. But he, he was such a kind soul. And we were talking at a coffee shop. And he goes, hey, how's, how's the agent hunt? And I said, well, I just interviewed with this one, but I, I, they haven't really responded. They haven't really gotten back to me, but I'll, I'll keep applying. And as I'm saying this, he's getting on his phone and texting and he goes, all right, so you're going to email Heather at Atlas Talent. I just told her that if she loses you to that agent, she's going to regret it. Mm. And I was like, dude, oh my God, like. Any voice actor listening, anyone can tell you that Brad, Brad Venable was the kindest soul, like one of the most wholesome people in the business. And so I went to Atlas and my agent Heather said, yeah, we'd, we'd love to have you. Like, I know you're still looking around, but we'd love to have you. And I just quietly go, actually, Heather, uh, this this was my dream agency. So I'll sign now. She's like, oh, perfect. <laughs> they were. They, they were and are. Like, I, I love Atlas so much. They, they're full of wonderful people. I love all the people that work there and they've been really good to me. But yeah, yeah, like I said, it was it was a very slow start. And I asked my friend if I was doing anything wrong. And he goes, no, that's how it was when I started. It's difficult. But if you can get past the first year, you will be fine. I'm sure a lot of people nowadays ask you the question like, OK, how do I become a voice actor? Like, how do I break in? Is there a question you wish they would ask you instead? Or is that the right question to ask someone like you? You know, it's. I'm kind of like 50-50 on the question. Like, if you're just getting interested, like you just got interested over the weekend, awesome. Yeah, come ask me a question. But on the other hand, y'all got the internet, though. <laughs> you guys have the internet. Like, hang on. I'm going to Google it right now. Like, what what happens if I just put, like, how do I get into voice acting? We're, we're going to do this right now. Let's see. Yeah, there's a bunch of websites on here. How to be a voice actor. How to get into voice acting. One of the websites that pops up, which I tell everyone about, is the website IWannaBeAVoiceActor.com. It is run by D. Bradley Baker, who is one of, if not the most prominent voice actor in the business. So I don't know. Like, it's like I said, it's a weird question because I feel like people aren't doing enough research on their own. And I don't know if they're expecting like, you know, a get rich quick like answer from from me, which there isn't one. There isn't one and there's there's no like specific right way either. I want to know what happens if I type in like voice acting classes because there's so many people teaching now, like a lot of veterans are teaching now. Let's see, voice acting classes, what pops up? Yeah, there's a there's a bunch like Real Voice LA has a bunch of um, teachers on there, like online voiceover classes. Or, you know, if you follow a lot of your favorite veteran voice actors, they will announce that they're doing classes. I heard Rob Paulson is, um, I don't know if he's already teaching, but I think he was going to start teaching soon. And Richard Horvitz, like I said earlier, um, Sonny Strait, who worked on Dragon Ball, he teaches. Like, there's so many people teaching. So I think that's why the question kind of bothers me a little bit, because I'm like, well, did you research? Did you look on your own? And most of the time, they'll be like, no. I'll be like, well, <laughs> what do you want me to do? I'm not going to do the research right. for you because you need to absorb all that information yourself. But if after that, they're like, 
they asked me more specific questions of like, you know, agency stuff or like, what are some steps that I need to take? Like, I can be like, yeah, I can help you with that. Or, oh, do you need like people to make your demos or, or something? Like, yeah, I can I can tell you what to do with that or, or classes I would recommend. Like, this is why I have sticky notes at my table so I can write down, oh, you'd love this person, this person. It's always the same people that I recommend, like Richard and Dee. It is definitely a very common question that gets asked. I'm sure. I have no doubt. <laughs> so a question I like to ask everyone who comes on like kind of near the end of the show is when you were first starting out, and that could be at any point, it could be when you first found out that voice acting was a thing, or it could be when you first went to Berkeley, but some starting point for you. What was your kind of definition of success? And over time, how has that changed? And what is that definition now? Man, it's weird. I thought that my definition of success was just going to be like, working as an anime actor full time. But it definitely changed because like, contrary to what people might believe, anime doesn't pay that much. You go into it because you love it. But it is it is not going to pay your bills exclusively. You need to be able to do other lines of VO work if you want to be a voice actor full time. So to me, I think the definition of success is being able to provide for yourself on your own. Because, like, there'll be things here and there that'll get you, like, notoriety or whatever. Like, oh, the new big thing of the year. But, like, everything kind of tapers off eventually. And I think being able to sustain your level of work and and just being able to live the life that you want, I think that's more successful than anything else. That makes perfect sense. That's a That's a great note to start wrapping up on. So one last question for you is where can people find you and plug anything you want? Yay! Uh, you can find me on pretty much anything at Don M. Bennett VA. Uh, that's two N's, two T's. Don't forget the M, please, because so many people do. Um, <laughs> there's another Don Bennett that voice acts, and she does one thing. One thing! I'm not in Foamy the Squirrel. <laughs> God. Uh, but yeah, Don M. Bennett VA. You can find me on like Twitter, Instagram, TikTok, Facebook, if anyone still uses it. And things to plug. Um, I am the English voice of Yukong in Honkai Star Rail. Uh, I am also a Serena in the upcoming Filipino WLW film The Lovers. It looks gorgeous if you haven't seen the trailer yet. I'm so excited for that. Now, I'm probably forgetting something, but those are the ones I can think of right now. <laughs> Awesome. Beautiful. Well, thank you so much for taking the time. This was amazing. Of course. I was so happy when you asked. I was like, my buddy. <laughs> yes, let's go. Yay. Yay. <laughs> That's the end of today's episode. Thank you so much for listening as always. And considering I work in the world of video game, music, and sound, and so many people are always asking me how they break into that field, I have a newsletter set up for you. So, if you want to learn how to make music and sound effects for video games and actually be paid to do it, just go to bit.ly forward slash soundbizpod. Sound, B-I-Z, pod. And that newsletter will set you up with two free courses and a bunch of free ebooks and even sound effects that'll get you set up and teach you how to work in the world of video game, music, and sound. Thanks so much, and I'll see you next time.
And if you're looking for more audio-related podcasts to listen to, this podcast is actually a part of the Audio Podcast Alliance, featuring a hand-picked selection of the very best podcasts about sound. So if you want to check those out, hear the latest episodes from our friends in the community at audiopodcast.org.